Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C-Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership coaching and wellness that supports C-Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources. Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Corner. Today I'm speaking with Anaki Hill, who is one of my favorite people in the entire world. I remember when I met her in 2016, and we share a little bit about that in this episode. And I'm so excited, honored, and proud to have her be part of the C Suite Collective. She spent much of her career in the international financial sector, first as an attorney and then as a health insurance manager in the Cayman Islands. And in 2012, Anaki founded her coaching practice, Blue Island Oracle. We hope you enjoy the episode today and remember that something powerful resides within you and we're here to support you in seeing it and creating it. Oh my gosh, Aniki, I'm so excited to be with you today uh, on the Collective Corner, our special segment of people that are part of TCC, the C-Suite Collective. And I'm uh, I'm just so grateful for you in general. So I um, thank you for being here, number one. My pleasure. <laughs> and I think the thing I want to share right off the bat is I remember the first day I met you, we were in a training program for, for coaches and you had come back to support a leader who was on maternity leave um, at that time. And I remember uh, your presence in the room. And I was, you know, at that time I was not even clear about who or where in the world I would be coaching. Um, and I was so taken by your grace and your uh, stillness, but your fire, your passion too at the same time. And you were the only one in the room that would speak up randomly just with whatever you saw all the time. And, and it was so refreshing to have a powerful woman in the room that was not afraid. So oh, thank you. That's my memory of you. <laughs> I hear fire a lot when people describe a memory of me. So that's a funny, I, I crack up about it because <laughs> yeah. I don't relate to myself as fire. Yeah. But I, I hear you. Yeah. But I remember, I remember actually the walking into the room, having been away for so long because I'd taken a break from training. Mm-hmm. And being so impressed with that group, and I, and I remember you and I ended up working together for a short period of time, yeah, yeah. and that was a lot of fun. You know, it really was a lot of fun. So it's really my pleasure to be here, and and my pleasure to see what you're creating in this space. It's a lot of fun. Oh my goodness! Well, I adore you, but let's jump right in. So I want to hear what are the biggest things you're talking about with your clients currently and people in your space. I think um, the first thing to 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 take note of is the fact that I work largely with teams. I'm spending a lot of time for the last six months. I've spent a lot of time with senior management teams and um, C-suites as, as a group, not necessarily on indivi- on an individual basis, even though I do coach several members of those teams individually, 
But, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot at the senior level because whatever's happening throughout the organization is magnified at the senior level is what I'm starting to see because everyone is in the impact of their team for being responsible for their entire team. You know mm. what I mean? So, mm-hmm. so the person at the top is seeing all of it, feeling all of it, carrying all of it. And they're actually almost a, like a magnified experience of what's happening in the team. That's, of course, if they're connected to the team, which is a, is an, you know, a yeah, requirement <laughs> for you to be doing, yeah, for you to be doing your job effectively as a chief. But some of the biggest things I'm seeing right now are pandemic fatigue. I'm seeing um, challenges with the work from home and back to office transition. I'm seeing uh, recession fares. Like, what are we going to do if if things go sideways? And I'm also seeing things that I wasn't expecting in this last six months. And to be fair, I think I should just frame this up. Like, I've just jumped into this practice in the last six to eight months full time. I was a part time coach prior to this. But taking on these teams has been my focus for the last six months in particular. And one of the things that surprised me was that the impact that all of these changes in the world, are the, the impact that that is having on women in particular. Mm. You know, I, I was very sheltered prior to this, uh, having been a senior manager my, myself, mm-hmm. where I was, you know, supported. I never saw firsthand in this, in my role as a senior manager, as a chief, um, the the impact that that the world has had on women and the barriers that still exist in the workplace. But going into coaching women and leaders and teams of leaders that include women has really been an eye-opening experience for me as well. Um, and and that has been exacerbated by all of the other changes with like pandemic fatigue, transition, recession fairs, etc. So what you're finding is that we're these teams are in 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 crises. They're in a they're in a crisis right now, and and different flavors of crisis, right? So, for instance, there are people on the front line, there are teams that are on the front line, and then there are teams that had the office experience of the pandemic, you know, which is being able to set up from home and be able to not see a dip in your income, and you're actually seeing a a huge impact of crisis. But the the the, the teams that are further behind are the ones that were not in integrity to start with. Oh, say that again for the world. (laughs) Yeah, the teams that are struggling with with the crisis and the crises that we're seeing in the world right now, Mm -hmm. the ones that are struggling the most are the ones that were not in integrity to begin with. Yeah, well, and that's so interesting because I know, so you work globally. I want to make that clear, right? You're based in Cayman, so you have a lot of global clients that are not just US centric. And I think that's important, right, for mm-hmm. for the, the different listeners, but also, um, you know, the US in particular, when when I was coaching some of this during the, the pandemic, we saw similar trends that you're seeing now. But the the thing that I would say is that I don't know if I would have framed it the ones that weren't in integrity before. It's almost like the ones that were not willing is what we saw in the U.S. So the people that were willing to pivot and change and be with whatever was up, even if it was out of integrity, were the ones that were very quick to experiment and see a little bit of change. I won't say much, right? A little bit of change. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to well, the but you're integrity actually, But it's the willingness to change is, is, is le- there are levels of willingness, right? There's, yeah. there's a willingness to look like you're changing. <laughs> yep. And that is, that is the most the most common form of willingness that you'll see. And you see, I mean, I've worked with companies where 
if you look at their their um, Instagram or their or their LinkedIn profiles, you'd think, oh my goodness, what an awesome place to work. But then you get into the coaching, you start to see, uh, no, this is this is paying lip service to ideas like workplace wellness, etc., just to tick a box so that you can recruit better quality. So you know, there's a there's a level that is that is not real. And then you get into the real, the, the, the real willingness to change and also to be in integrity and to pivot. And, and those are the places where you see the CEO is in the room mm. and the CFO is in the room. Yeah. And, you know, when the, the chiefs are actually being willing to talk about difficult things with each other mm-hmm. in the presence of a coach. I mean, of course, this is me facilitating conversations that they would not necessarily have outside of the room. But the willingness to participate in those types of conversations mm-hmm. are the ones are the ones that are speaking to an integrity. So I think we should probably step back and just say what I mean by integrity. Right? Mm. There are a few ways to see yeah. integrity. Yeah. I know that you and I were trained in specific ways to see integrity. Yep. Which is the alignment of thought, speech, and action. Mm-hmm. Intention, speaking, and action align lining up. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have like a visual around that. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also there's also the the um, Another visual that I can give you is to, or another way of seeing integrity is to see it as a wheel. You know, the wagon wheel that had all of these different spokes. So if you have one spoke that's way too long, so that you can consider that to be like an example of micromanagement, for instance. Or if you see like a spoke that's too short, where for instance, you're not managing performance properly effectively, and you're not actually dealing with things like workplace bullying and misbehavior in the workplace and incivility in the workplace, and you'll see that that wheel that has a short spoke and a long, long spoke is no longer round. And that's a bumpy ride. Right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. whenever we speak about integrity, you know, it, it's very important to, to, to line up what we mean by that. To be in integrity is to have your thoughts, your speech and your action in alignment, your intention, your speaking and your action. That way, your your organization knows exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're if you're thinking and your speaking are not lining up. So, for instance, you're 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 not interested in well-being. You're not interested in in um, a focus on your human resources. But you say you are. That immediately impacts the trust that your employees and that your clients will have in you, because the dissonance is obvious. You know, the dissonance is is clear. It's just not you know you're not speaking it, and people probably don't even know what they're seeing. But human beings are really intuitive, and we know when something's off about an organization right like we know when something's off about a a leader or an organization so i say all this to say that if you're in integrity and all of your your thoughts your speech and your action are lining up and then also your wheel is running properly so i I consider those two to be two different types of integrity one is like functional integrity which is the wheel and then there's the other one which is almost like a I have never really named it, but I think if I was to call it anything, I would call it like a spiritual integrity, mm, like the mm-hmm. spirit of what you're doing things in. Yeah. But if, if those things are missing, you have issues with trust. You, you then create issues with boundaries. Then, you know, performance management ends up having a gap. Um, you end up promoting people who are, who are probably great on paper, but are terrible to your team, terrible to your employees. Um, you're seeing, you know, we, we see in the DEIB world, you know, a, a paying lip service to something, but actually not not willing to look at the deep issues behind it. 
mm-hmm. and, and change the, the spirit of where things are coming from. And the same when it relates to, to the difficulties women are facing in the world. This is not just a conversation about race, but any, any group that is othered. Um, and yeah. then also we're seeing burnout. You know, mm-hmm. burnout is mm-hmm. another gap in integrity, but that's a personal in- a gap of integrity that's going to impact your entire team. But it may be coming from the top down. Yeah, well, gosh, these are all such great topics that we're, we're serving people with in general in the C-suite arena. So I love that this is your like in it right now. Mm-hmm. And what has been the reaction to C-suites, uh, to this word, number one, integrity, but also mm-hmm. your view of how they can uh, start to address some of this? Well, the reaction, um, I think those are really two big questions. So let me first go with the reaction. What I've had so far is I've been very fortunate with my clients being willing to take a look, which is the first step. I mean, they may disagree, but if they take a look, sometimes they'll find something of value to take back into their day-to-day management and leadership. And I'm loving, I'm loving seeing the impact of that on them facing down the issues within their team. Mm, so, mm-hmm. and, and of course, this is being done as a group so that's a really powerful thing to see where everyone has a language around this. We are now checking things against this integrity definition. Are we in integrity? And this is in, in your Monday morning meeting. You know, mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful thing to see it come, come to the forefront of the thinking of the C-suites that I work with. The second question, which I think, um, if you can remind me. Oh yeah, well, yeah. So my yeah. my solution to this, right? Yeah. My my, my suggestion. Like how are they reacting was, to yeah. your suggest your suggestions? Yeah. I think it's a it's a it's a um. Journey. It's a journey. You know, it's not something that is going to disappear overnight. It is something that you you have to first become aware of, then come into action around. Um, and, and that's actually the process that I'm seeing is taking time. It takes more time with more people, right? If you're working with an individual, it's one thing, but everyone is on their own level of, of velocity toward integrity, right? They're on their, they move at their own speed. But what I'm loving about it is that one of the things that I, I provide as a, as a source of integrity is humanity, how do we focus on the humanity of every single member of your team? And I actually um, take a look at what does it take to motivate humanity today? And this is a conversation that I've been in for several years. Years ago, when I started to coach, I picked up a book that I fell in love with. And um, it's written by Danielle Pink. And it's called Drive. And he and I have never met. This is not a promotion of Danielle Pink's work. But I love that. I love that book so much. And I, I think what I loved about it too, and I, you know, just an, as an aside, this is a little bit of a segue, is that he had the insight to separate and put lawyers in a completely different chapter. Oh, <laughs> and of course, now I'm fascinated. As a recovering attorney myself. <laughs> yeah, but as a, as a recovering lawyer myself, I, um, I found that fascinating. And uh, I was like, okay, he, he really gets it. But Danielle Pink's work speaks to what it takes to motivate an individual. And like the, the old ideas around motivation are beginning to fade. You know, they were a product of the Industrial Revolution um, and, you know, the labor movement. And, and they involved carrots and sticks. You know, the carrot stick is, is, is a, a thing of the past now. That only applies to a small subset of the workforce today, which is the subset that is doing only manual labor that does not involve any form of cognitive engagement. 
If there's any form of cognitive engagement, uh, Daniel Pink speaks to three different elements of motivation, which I, I, I fell in love with this, right? And I've been using this in my coaching. I used it in my own team when I was, um, when I was in my own leadership position. And um, I also feel like it was an answer. And of course, this is, I'm a, I'm a millennial, right? So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an early millennial. So I, I also felt like this, this was the answer to the, the, the working, the workforce's mystification when it came to how do we deal with millennials? He came up with this, this three-level, three-pillared approach to, and this was, of course, based on scientific research that he did not necessarily participate in, but he kind of put it all together. And that you need purpose, mastery, and autonomy. Those are the three parts of motivation. So I, I always give this example of a client I worked with many, many years ago, not as a coach, but in my, in a, in my previous in my previous work, it was a multinational organization. And I was working in particular with their offices throughout the Caribbean. And I had to travel to each of several of these offices, not all of them, several of these offices throughout the Caribbean. And I traveled with one of their senior HR executives and had one of her, the global executives, had some really good conversations about how they had dealt with the last recession. This would have been about 10 years ago. And the previous recession, was a time when this particular organization, it was a courier organization, okay? So you're dealing with folks who are not necessarily high-level cognitive ability or high-level cognitive engagement in their work. You know, this is not speaking to their talent necessarily, but within their work, it wasn't required to deliver packages throughout the Caribbean. They had concerns about the recession as they saw it coming in and expected to take a hit because, you know, courier services may be the one place that organizations decide to cut back on. As it turns out, they had this conversation with every level of their team, from their security guards, to their delivery drivers, to their senior executives throughout the Caribbean. And during the recession, they grew by a, I can't remember exactly what percentage it was, but it was completely unexpected growth. Because what they came up with was that they would engage every single member of their team and empower them to bring in business. Every single member of their team was empowered to, to be part of business development. Wow. Every member of their team was also incentivized with commission. Yeah. And they were given training as to how to represent the company appropriately. Mm-hmm. And that company did extremely well. And it, what I learned from that is that the key to recession survival, which is a very big topic that's showing up right now in the workforce, yep. uh, particularly with the, the labor shortages that, uh, and the and the transitions of the way that we work and the way that we do business mm-hmm. is team. Mm-hmm. The answer is team. Yeah. The answer is engaging your team and trusting your team, being vulnerable with your team and coming into integrity with your team. And it's not magic. That's a thing. This isn't th- like, it's not a new concept that's just being talked about today in 2022. Yeah. You know, it's, it has always been the answer and I, and the people that have gotten far away from it, I think are exactly what you said. The people that have not been in integrity and are struggling. Um, what's your hope for the C-Suite Collective and and through the lens of everything you just shared? Because, you know, you joined this platform uh, together and we are a group of coaches that are that are a team in the world. So I'm already, my my wheels are spinning over here listening to you about our team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do you, what do you hope to see? 
Um, and there are a few things. Internally, I would love to see us really um, knit together as an unstoppable team, you know, and, and, and be an example of what we preach. And, you know, we're young, we're getting there. We're making our way in that direction. And that's really exciting. And on the external front, I would love for us to be able to have these types of conversations and wider and wider, um, a wider expansion of our reach. You know, I would love to be able to to see people in the world as a result of the work that we do relate to their work as an adventure, as a place where they can have fun, as a place where, you know, and this, you can make the most difficult and most dull and most boring work an adventure if you if you engage the humanity of what you're doing. You know, and I have it that, that there is, there's a lot of space to play right now in this place of shifting sands. And, you know, we're in a state of flux throughout the world at the moment. It's a, it's a huge opportunity to create the intention and then support the speech and the action to line up. It's a huge opportunity to look at the spokes in the wheel and say, what are we overemphasizing just because it's what we've always done? And mm-hmm. what, you know, is this still important? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like is, that, mm-hmm. is timekeeping. I remember in my time in my, in my leadership, I, I had a, a right-hand man who was a very good manager and an excellent manager, incredibly technically proficient. And he struggled with his team, like taking 15 extra minutes on their lunch breaks. And I remember us learning, like really learning from each other, because I'm not necessarily a gifted manager. I'm a leader. Like I was a born leader. And we would have these conversations. We learned a lot from each other. So I learned my management skills often from him because we worked together for almost 10 years. And he learned a lot around leadership from my from me. And I feel as though one of the things that, that is that we're starting to to grow in and and I think the CC the TCC has the opportunity to share is actually getting clear on what actually matters is that 15 minute extra on your lunch break something that matters down on the ground right and maybe it does and maybe it doesn't but right really getting clear on where we've overemphasized um, something that is not really that important and getting clear on what really matters in the work that we do today that's really brilliant. When I first was looking at how would we go in and talk to companies about this, you know, one of the things that I most often would hear is, well, we have all these benefits for people. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have set up resources <laughs> to mental health and we have a coaching firm that we work with. And my first question to your point was always but what what about the individual human? You know, this is, you've created a blanket statement for your company and nobody's using the resources, frankly, because either they don't know they exist or it's too complicated or cumbersome to get to them. And what if you actually saw the human in front of you and to that one person that the extra lunch break would make a huge difference for? And I think for leaders, that's daunting, you know, because the C-suites are often the thing I hear is I, I don't have time or energy to do that for every single human that works for me. So what do you have for them? People that say that. I have it that that's why it starts at the top. Uh, and, you know, and we haven't really talked about what I did before this, but I was the head of a health insurance company and we were responsible for delivering and designing and delivering workplace wellness programs. And you go in and do a full health check in the organization, set up in the conference room, have nurses, dietitians. Um, and, and, and I think there was like a fitness expert that would tell you, 
you know, what you need to do to get your life in order, your health in order, get your numbers down, get your cholesterol where it needs to be, et cetera. And if the CEO did not come down, if the senior partner did not come down, it was always a telling correlation between that and the uptake of the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and mm-hmm. wellness programs are, are wonderful things and they're interesting and they can be well designed. But participation is something that is that is created by culture. I remember um, there was a comment that was made in some training that we recently did with the Soul Focus Group, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, policy, culture eats policy for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And this is exactly what's showing up. So you can deliver these things into the into the workplace and take the box. But once again, that is just like that is just face value. That isn't that is just a performance level of something that you can put on a brochure. When you actually lift the hood, nothing is nothing is actually changing as a result. In that world of well-being and, and wellness and, and humanizing your team, one of the things that I've seen that works is when you actually engage your senior management team first. So what I do with organizations is that I'll actually sit with them and do a workshop with them first. The C-suite. Then I will go and coach your managers that you're having trouble with or your team that you want to perform better or whatever that is. Let's have a conversation about this, though, so that you set the com- set the tone, so that you learn the language, so that when I move myself out of the space, when I'm no longer coaching your team, you have a reference point, you have a vocabulary around what you need to be able to continue the momentum that your team is having. So the, way, the, the short answer to the question that I've just given a very long-winded answer to is to really make sure that the top is engaged. Yeah. The top is where you start. You start with your with your leaders. Well, there you go. I think that's a great place to end because that's what we believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why we're called cool. the C-Suite Collective is start at the top and the work will then trickle down from there. So yeah. anything else you want to share with the world before we say goodbye? Um, I I just want to thank you really for, for having the vision for this. Like you and I started talking about this, what, four years ago, five years a ago? A long time a ago. A long time ago. <laughs> and it was a dream of yours. And I'm super proud of what you've created and very, very honored to be part of it. So thank you for being that for us and allowing us to be that for the world. Oh, thank you. It's, it's my greatest honor to work with people like you. And, uh, I love, I'm just thinking of all the things you shared, the theme of fun and connection and humanity. And that's the thing that lights me up. So surrounding ourselves with those people in the collective, I think, I think we're, we're practicing what we preach and there's always room to grow as with every company we work with, but it, it brings me hope that we're, we're in the lane, at least we're in the lane, getting on the racetrack. And growing (laughs) is practicing what you preach. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much. I love you very much. And I'm so excited to have you. My pleasure.